Can I tell you another cockroach story? So, so I worked in a hotel in San Francisco. This hotel was built in 1927, and it had a basement in it, right? And uh, <clears throat> and kind of a cool story. Like during during Prohibition, the shit. Uh, like I guess it existed during Prohibition because it had like a basement with a stage in it, with a stairway that went up to a stage and it looked like a nightclub. And then you could see that there used to be like an escape hatch or something in the ceiling that was covered up. But anyway, so I'm kind of bored at work. I'm a luggage monkey, you know, carrying carrying luggage in a, in a hotel. So I'm bored as fuck. I'm, I'm down to the basement just fucking off, killing time. And uh, I got a walkie-talkie, so, you know, if they need me, they can come get me or whatever. And uh, I go down there, and um, just kind of walking around, exploring this creepy old building. And I see this cockroach on its back, and I kick it, and it fucking flies, like, slides along the floor, like, 15, 20 feet, hits something. And then the thing lands on its feet, and it runs at me, dude. Oh, man. I ran like a bitch. I'm like, ah! You fucking ran as fast as I can. <laughs> oh, shit. And then the next time I go down there, I fucking go down, and there's this fucking one cockroach eating another cockroach. What? I'm like, God damn. Yeah, and they're like two and a half inches long. These fucking monsters. This is something else. They really say they're, they're, they're survivors, man. Like those yeah. tortoises. Excuse me. Them, uh, something with the shell and maybe in their, in their design allows them to, like, just take incredible amounts of pressure, you know, because... Um, that, no, they don't need much water. They can no. live for 80, 90 years, 100 years, right? I learned about, as I said, electronics a while back. How they could stay in, in TVs and what have you for, for years. And I said, wait a minute, that sounds like the dry seeds of life, you know, that we plant, you know, like strawberries or whatever. What is it that makes them unique to be able to live and others right. to die? Like like those fossils we find, why, why can't those come to life? So I'm going to look that up tonight and see what, what the difference is with that. Why did they wouldn't we, yeah. first time I wouldn't you that. think wouldn't you think we'd be sucking out some fucking giant tortoise venom or uh, DNA and, and checking exactly. it out and seeing seeing why they live to be a hundred and fucking something years old and, and we die at sixty or seventy? That is that's the first time I thought about that tonight. This morning. Right? That's too that's wow. the fascinating shit about the whole DNA thing, dude. We're living in a whole different world. But I'm not down with with when it comes to <clears throat> so soil health. So I'm not down with DNA when it comes to soil health. Because everything that I've learned has said that GMOs are not the shit, right? The World Health Organization even went so far as to say the only method that we can look forward to feeding the growing population of the world with is local organic farming. Exactly, exactly, yep. And it doesn't even, you know, regenerative, 
you know, because because it because organic could be done in a damaging way, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So it has to be with love for the earth and, and regenerating, not taking, but leaving more than we take, right? They had the um, a soil sample done, and they showed all the worms and these different organisms that were in the soil, and it, it was a beautiful thing. I said, and they showed different versions of it, but it had to be something that was part of the natural collection of life, you know, natural order of life. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the GMO or the other version that they used to get that soil um, to do anything was toxic to us. And I said, there you go. I mean, we're supposed to play off nature. Nature is designed to heal itself if we work with nature. But mm-hmm. if we try to create something else off of that, it always comes back to bite us in the ass. And, you know, yeah, like, like speaking about that, like like how does nature do it? Nature just drops shit and shit accumulates and that turns mm-hmm. into soil. Right? What do we do as gardeners? I mean, I don't mean you and me, but like, what does the average U.S. person do? They fucking mow and fucking weed whack and do all this shit, but then they clean it up, quote unquote, clean it up and like put it in a compost bin or something. And that should be put like either in a compost pile or just left where the fuck it is. Yep. Right? Like, we're learning more benefit by just chop it and drop it. Leave it where it is. And then it breaks down slowly. And, and if there's little tree branches, those create nice my, uh, microbial, microbial environments for um, mycorrhizae and all kinds of beneficial fungal to develop. That helps feed the soil. And, and, and one thing some people don't understand maybe is that it's the fungal elements that are feeding the plants, not the soil, right? That the, you need fungal and microbial activity to transfer the nutrients from the soil to the plant. Because this conversion is taking place at different levels with different species in yeah. soil. You know, every time That's they get it. a bite of and they do, they add an enzyme or subtract something that's needed or create a phosphorus or whatever. And uh, all of that comes together to create that, that rich soil that we enjoy, you know, and get that's this it. incredible uh, net and yield of fruit or vegetation that we get from the soil. Uh, and it's, not, it's nice when they, they show the farm, you know, they see that farm down there and then they, they do the, um, what is it like to show the, the root to see germinate and then come from the soil and it comes above. Right. And to know Beautiful. nowadays that we can do it with water. Like you did the standing one. I want to do that one day. Like uh, with, with water and like, uh, what is it called? Hydroponics. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Watch it grow that particular way or start to see. But there's places like in Japan, I believe, countries like that that actually do it all the way they just keep i could help you with that because i did hydroponics for a long time oh oh yeah okay oh yeah 20 years fascinating i said 
all these years that I actually had to work that land at three or four o'clock in the morning, you know, um, and then to see how it's done. I said, yes, you could have done it like that. And people are doing it like that. It's fascinating. Well, I, I think the best of both worlds is to start them hydroponically and then finish them in the soil because you can't beat that the flavor you get from soil. But yeah. But for certain things, you could. You could just have a greenhouse that you do fully hydroponic, and it'll. you could produce all year long with lighting. Because the lighting will keep it warm enough. That's good. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Lighting and a couple heaters, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in a really cold place, one heater on either side. If you, um, yeah, that's something to, to connect with on at another um, another moment there. You for sure. Questions, questions, questions. Uh, well, I guess I'll just call you, man, or catch up once another, you know, sometime in the weeks to come. You know, this is so random and great. I got my pencil out here and write notes. <laughs> Two thirty-five. Yeah, me too. Me. Me too. This is fantastic. Um, what other tricks you got for for maintaining soil health? Uh, I use bananas, banana peels. Bananas. I hear bananas are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, something like the uh, phosphorus. I mentioned phosphorus early on. That's supposed to be good with that banana, uh, orange peel, and then um, these dog crap, you know. When Brandy finishes her shit, I scoop it up. Really? Yep. That all breaks down, huh? Cool. Yeah, it breaks down. And, of course, you know, the way I'm doing now, out of the planter box, you know, um, and everything is grown and what have you. So when I read that article, or not read it, you know, saw the video yesterday of the African uh, creating these boxes that they crap in and go, you know, there's some health concerns in there, but the soil too is also, if it's done right, is a cleaner. So it's not like the, the villagers were complaining about how they're eating each other's shit. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, you think one perspective, that's how it would be. But in the other regard, uh, it changes, you know, things change, especially if you're healthy, they don't have anything, you know, right. to eat. Breaks down, yeah. Yeah. What I read is that what I read is that is that it needs like six months to break down, so you should do it in your compost and then use the compost in the garden. Right. The eggshells you mentioned and all that you take it. Or, yeah. or, or or no, this this article even said to go piss in your piss in your compost pile. Mm-hmm. A lot of this yeah. and um, they recommend people that are on medication and stuff like that to kind of you know, to not do it right. To not do it right. And I said, man, they got their thing now through science. But when we think about it, I said, science. But when we think about it, yeah. Because if it lives, it gives. If we're contributing. Oh, that's it, right. You got to think like that. Well, of life. Mm-hmm. You got to okay. think. What's in, what's in your bloodstream? Is it? Yep. Okay, cool. That's good. Yep. Man. And um, in the time. When the season comes or whenever it's needed, you have 
sure I tap my own makeshift uh, compost. I'm sitting here, so many thoughts are running through my mind as I'm, I'm out there in my mind in the garden. It's, uh, I just can't believe that most people don't get a chance to to plant something, you know. And it's sad, too, that yeah. their kids are in school now because they're missing this. But I know that and I, I'd like to get the screens. Yeah. Don't. My goal is to help people with that because, like, there is no, like, my yard's too small. Okay, well, show me the di- show me the dimensions of your yard and I'll help you design a garden for that yard. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I just did it right on the soil. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, I asked you. And, and then, and then I created I created perimeters with like raised so there I kind of made raised beds right on the soil, but then I just built it up. Right. So I, I would take like, uh, you know, I'd build a frame around an area and be like, okay, I'm going to build up this area. And then I'd dump a fuck ton of dead leaves and then put soil on top of it and let that set for a little bit. You know, Um, it became amazing, man. The the worms were loving it. Yeah. It's fascinating little creatures and guys they go in and they get other organisms in there and, they just eat and convert it, and their soil just becomes beautiful. You know, most people, yeah, when the soil isn't right, it gets a fungus on it, and then that becomes problematic. But um, when the ecosystem, that little system, is in place, well, you got some soil that's nice and dark and rich. Oh man, here comes the vegetation. I was able, I was able to put my arm down like elbow deep. After about a year and a half of doing that, yeah, I mean, anything I threw in there grew. I said, "This is all right." Of course, you know, yeah. space. Some plants are, are huge and take a lot of water, but uh, it's it's worth it, and it is still worth it. I think I got probably about um, four yards out there. Not much, but, but you know what I think. You know what I think the important thing is, getting back to what uh, One with the Earth said, is that how do we get people to feel the urgency? So, like, how do we get people to feel, like, guilty for how much they use so that they want to contribute a little bit? You know what I mean? Take away the toys, and that doesn't come without a cost, of course, but if the people were... Like they, for whatever reason, rushing for this toilet paper back then, seeing that, okay, for a while you're going to be without this, that means across the board. And then you're going to have to ask your neighbor, which engages us to wanting to reconnect, hopefully not in a crazy way. Um, people will be conscious for a while. But that is also time to be able to have conversations or have leadership in place and say, I see why your neighbor's important, or I encourage you to talk to your neighbor so that you can share resources and people can kind of come to conclusions and conversations. And to, to, yeah, to open doors to conversations like this, like let's, yeah. let's, let's do a mutual garden. Let's do a mutual garden, there you go. And it started a few right. years ago in Georgia. There's places where they have these art communities. I was really proud of Georgia. Considering that they had said, 
because they, you know, rode and people were maintaining it. I get that, that part of it. Um, they started gardening again. And of course, um, when Michelle Obama came in office, she jumped in the front of, you know, heading that. So that made it trend. Right. Should have been in place anyway. Uh, I think it's already happening. I think that the motivation is out there. We just can't see it. Like the disease, destruction that's happening to the human population, to the world. It's a direct cause of our separation with the earth. And I think we just need to get people to just look at that. We don't really have to teach them anything. The nature will teach on its own. We just have to say, look at that. Look at what we did. Look at what it caused. That's it. And people will then be able to see like, oh, man, we're fucking up. We need to do something differently. We just need to stop. Let's see what one with the earth is saying. Kind of like uh, when uh, when the public on mass saw the picture of the earth from the moon, that kind of started the environmental movement, right? Like, oh, fuck, we're on that little planet way over there with nothing else? Oh, shit. We better take care of this. So I agree. Like, I think the shock and awe thing is awesome, you know, and I, don't, and I agree that there is no substitute for pictures. A picture is worth a thousand words, a million words, a billion words if you get the right picture, right? And that's why that documentary, Chasing Ice, is so important. This this award-winning photographer, Paul Baylog, went on a five-year expedition to put this thing together. And it's absolutely mind-blowing. He caught the largest calving event, which is like an ice chunk breaking off, ever recorded in history. It's the size of Manhattan. And this other documentary had the guy that was born in the USA. Which one? The actor. I'm trying to think of his name. He's a pretty good actor. He was behind the uh, the hemp. Yeah, oh, Woody Harrelson. There you go. Yeah, he was doing that one. Um, about love that guy. Mm-hmm. I gotta see this now. Which one is this? Uh, I'm gonna. What I'll do is I'll get the information and get it to you. Uh, I love Woody, man. He's done a bunch of cool stuff. He's all about hemp, and you know, and he's a big pothead too. But whatever. But he's about how hemp can heal and save the planet, and how it can replace like countless products that are made from petroleum. Yeah, I said, man, you. But uh, he starts off with saying, um, like, I think I wish, wish this, would the world would end or something like that. I give up. And then he spins it back around to where he didn't really give up. But he goes into showing us some of the things we were touching on, but more in depth with the visuals. And uh, it was really good. Really good. Well, see, Joe, uh, what's his name and me? We were both at that. We both admitted that at one point we were at our wit's end, right? Like, I said, fuck, I want a comment. Bring a comment on, right? I don't mean that. I just mean, 
fuck, this is a heavy weight to bear. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of work. There's a lot of work to do. And I love how you said with someone's babies, because I say that a lot in my thinking throughout the years. And to hear that, I said, wow, somebody else is thinking we're on that same mind of, of thinking about what's going on in the grand scheme of things. That's beautiful. You know? Universal. Universal yeah, consciousness, brother. There it is. Universal once you start, Once you start tapping into universal truths, right, you start finding other people that are saying the same shit. And the same shit. I was like, man, with somebody's baby. Everybody forget? <laughs> yeah, you know what? What actually helps mm -hmm. is these documentaries that show, like, deforestation mm -hmm. or the cutting down of the Amazon. Like, first they'll show you these beautiful animals, these exotic animals and the way nature behaves in those exotic places. And then they'll show you, oh, by the way, this is how much land there was, and this is how it's looking after we've been cutting down the trees. And then they'll show you how it's extinguishing, exterminating all those animals, you know, all those different species and everything. So it kind of gives you a way to connect with these things and admire the beauty. And then it shows you, oh, by the way, you know, all the, all these couches and these houses and all the stuff that we're getting in excess is killing all that beauty. Yeah, one with the earth. Have you ever seen the, the documentary Baraka about exactly that? And it's, I don't believe there's any dialogue. I think it's all just imagery and, and soundtrack. But it starts off just showing the most beautiful places on earth. You know? And there's a fuck ton of them. Right? Starts showing all these amazing places. And you're just like, wow. And then it starts showing like clear cutting and factory farming and like fish farming. And like, you're just like, what the fuck have we done? What have we done? Fucking greed run amok. It's not the right way to do it. We need to. And so. So this is where it goes back to fuck the 1%. It's greed run amok, and the people need to take control, and the people need to be in control of their food source. And if you're not in control of the food source, how much of your own food source and your own water source, how much real freedom do you have? It was great when the, um, you know, all the people signed off on being you know, mindful of doing something and planting and taking action. I said, now let's see how this plays out in a year or something. It is uh, an emergency. Didn't think about it. But when they went past 80% to 40% to 30%, and they could show it to us, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was wondering about the climate before I even, you know, could see some of the stuff that they'd share in that, that their, their show. I was wondering, just by observation in life, Man, winters are changing and not as cold. Upstate New York, then they almost call it a blizzard. And then it started getting less and less. And everyone was trying to theorize what was going to, you know, what was really going on. We are all yeah. making that. I like how you mentioned that part about Woody saying hemp would save the world. can't remember if it was like Joe Rogan or somebody that mentioned um, <laughs> like a way to 
stop war and rather than throwing bombs, it would be like throwing down like bombs of cannabis, marijuana, just like pouring it down. It's almost like in these riots. Imagine if people started throwing smoke bombs with marijuana in them and everybody would just chill the fuck out. <laughs> I would imagine, right? They'd just be like, oh, hey, peace and love, brother. All right, let's go home. Let's keep it cool. But the the real people that really need some of this stuff are these, these politicians and policymakers and lobbyists and, you know, these people that are being sold to, the, to these businesses. Those are really the ones that are controlling us. But until enough people wake up, then they'll all stop. People will wake up eventually. But, but you know what? Apparently, we're here to help people wake up, you know? I think that's why we're chiming. That's why we're jiving together. Um, so let's bear that weight together, and then it's not such a tough weight to bear. To, to you know, to bear. Because when they made farming uh, expensive, and they try to control it and put it in a box, a microwave box, and, and that literally came right back around. What need to be in place? Yeah. And, and the, the irony on the way politics is right now, with with Trump charging the Trump people charging the White House and everything, and maybe the Capitals coming up, that might that might work in our favor for you know peaceful change. Sure as fuck isn't going to work in their favor. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in this place before, huh? We've been in this yeah. place before a couple and times. Next. Nixon era was one. Yeah. And of course, you know, time after that. Nixon was in the White House shitting his pants. What are we going to do if they, if they get through the fences? Or no, or no, what did Nixon say? What are those buses for? And then his aide said, well, those buses are circled around in case the public gets through the fences so that they can't come kill us. <laughs> I'm out, man. Man. Right on, man. Another brilliant conversation. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Popping in like that. Hey, the collector. Wait a minute here. <laughs>